Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 48, our psalm for today. It is found on page 386 in the Pew Bibles in front of you, if you don't have your Bible with you. Page 386, Psalm 48. We have a city being mentioned in the opening verses of the psalm today. The city of our God, the city of the great king. Allow me to quote a rather lengthy paragraph from one commentator on this psalm. Uh, I found it quite interesting, and I thought you would too. Most especially after the Assyrian Sennacherib's failure to capture Jerusalem in 701, many of its citizens came to believe that God's protection of the city would forever save it from such a fate. Their presumptuous confidence in this illusion grew into an arrogant, almost magical audacity at odds with an earlier warning they had received from the prophet Micah. He had cautioned them that unrepented sin inevitably invites the judgment of God, even on his chosen city. Then, more than a century later, this warning of Micah was taken up by Jeremiah, when Nebuchadnezzar led his Babylonian army against Jerusalem. So strong and popular was their rash, magical presumption of Jerusalem's invincibility that Jeremiah's words fell largely on the deaf ears of a people not convinced of their need for conversion. God would protect his holy city. They were persuaded, so why repent? In consequence of this sinful attitude, the city fell in 586. One can imagine Jewish people in the days of Jeremiah quoting to him this psalm as a a bulwark against his prophetic words. God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. In the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Walk about Zion, go all around her, count her towers, mark well her bulwarks, consider her palaces. You can imagine them shouting this back to Jeremiah, but they were wrong. St. John Cassian quotes the late 4th century Egyptian Abba Nestoros, who talks about the possible meanings of the name Jerusalem in Holy Scripture. One and the same Jerusalem, he said, can be taken historically as the city of the Jews, allegorically as the Church of Christ, anagogically as the heavenly city of God, which is the mother of us all. Reading this psalm as talking primarily about the historical city known as Jerusalem is a wrong reading. (laughs) Reading it as the church of God and the heavenly city where Christ reigns is the correct reading. For this psalm, as in all psalms, is really about Christ, and in this case, Christ and his church. God is in her palaces. He is known as a refuge. Christ is is seated on the throne and stands at the high altar in the Holy of Holies in heaven. He is ruling in the heavenly city and is the head of the church militant and the church in heaven. 
And he is with the church here on earth by his Holy Spirit. What is more, today and every Sunday and feast days, when we celebrate the Holy Eucharist, we join with the heavenly city, with the angels and the archangels, and all those in heaven, all the church in heaven, in worshiping God and supping at his table. We are the citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem, and we are pilgrims on this earth, in the church on earth, until the earth is finished being remade into the new earth. And then it will all be fully a part of the kingdom of Christ. Part of our job is to pray for and work for that reality. Verse 4, For behold, the kings assembled, they passed by together, they sought, and so they marveled, they were troubled, they hastened away. Another commentator notes that there was there is an interpretation of this text that finds great favor with the early saints. Again, a lengthy quote, but I think it's worth it. The kings of the earth, the three wise men, are gathered, seeing that they came not from the same region, but from lands far apart. And led by the star, they are gone by, gone by Jerusalem where Herod might reign, but not the king of that Jerusalem which is free. Gone by the hill country of Judea, then all alive with the tidings of that wonderful birth, and gone by Bethlehem too, when being warned of God that they should not return to Herod, the wise men departed into their own country another way. They marveled to see such things. They marveled, those kings, as they followed the star, to see such things, to see him that upheld the earth, himself hanging on his mother's breast. Such things as that he who spreadeth out the heavens like a curtain should himself be sheltered by no better a covering than the roof of a stable. Such things as that he who are all the beasts, whose are all the beasts of the forest, and so are the cattle upon a thousand hills, should only have one ox and one ass to do him homage. But more than all, they marveled to see such things as that the Lord of the world should come to his own, his own receiving him. And while that poor ox knew his owner and that untaught ass his master's crib, Israel, rich with so many types or images and parables and instructions, would not know. The people taught by so many prophecies would not consider. The king of the world, the king and head of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church is the creator of the world. Fear took hold of them and pain as of a woman in birth pains. My friends, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Our commentator notes, And when did not fear fall upon those to whom any supernatural revelation of our Lord or of his angels was vouchsafed? As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. My friends, the gospel has been preached for millennia. Yes, even in the Old Testament. The gospel has been heard. The gospel was seen by the apostles and disciples. 
the second person of the Trinity is the gospel incarnate. The gospel is continued to have been heard in the preaching of the church. The gospel has continued to be seen in the architecture and the iconography of the church. Regarding the iconoclastic controversy, our commentator notes, it was not the cause of icons, but the belief in the incarnation that was at stake. And the gospel is seen in the bread and the wine as they are made into the body and blood of Christ. The incarnate one, Jesus, has established and will uphold his church. It will never fail. It will be the instrument by which he converts the world and brings in the new heavens and the new earth. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness in the midst of your temple. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. We are even now in the midst of God's temple. Yes, here in this sanctuary at St. Andrew's Church, but also in the midst of the heavenly temple as we ascend the holy hill of Mount Zion up to the top to worship God in the heavenly Jerusalem. Here we receive God's loving kindness by the means of word and sacrament. Here we sing the praises of God and we rejoice with the saints of the church throughout all time and in all places because of God's righteousness and his judgments which are true. That's our task this morning. Walk about Zion. And go all around her. Consider her towers. Mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation following. Be reminded, my friends, of this great city, the church, and the heavenly Jerusalem. Be reminded of the great king who presides there on the throne and at the altar. Consider the greatness, the power, the authority, the refuge that this church and heavenly Jerusalem is to us all and to those who are being called. Then teach it and inscribe it on the hearts of our young ones. Let us raise up the next generation to be active participants, active members of the church of our Lord, to have Jesus as their head and his Holy Spirit as their strength. For this is God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. Amen.